and frankly, I can think the key is very much the key as it was all last season. Defensively, don't have lapses that your offense has to make up for because you could, there's only so much you can expect out of the offense. And anything expecting anything more than that is going to be problematic. For the 125th time, Georgia and Auburn will face off on the football field. And out of all of those years of playing, the Dogs and the Tigers have rarely played in the month of October. But this Saturday, in front of a socially distanced sellout crowd of 22,000, the Deep South's oldest rivalry will be renewed once again. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 244 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, join me in breaking down what we feel Georgia needs to do to claim victory in this early season top 10 matchup. Who will start at quarterback for the Dogs? Can the defense continue to look dominant and carry the team, or will the offense continue to build upon their second-half surge seen in Fayetteville last week? Those topics and more are covered in this episode. So thanks for tuning us in, and here's Will to get it all started. Well, gentlemen, hello. I'm sorry to not be here uh, with you in person. Uh, uh, it's it's crazy. It's baseball week. Things are crazy all around. I'll take the heat. If I, I, I don't need to get out of the kitchen. I can stand that heat. Uh, There's congrats. metaphors. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, hey, it's, uh, it's always good to talk. I'm still a little blown away. Here it is. We are doing a midweek podcast about a football season. Um, yeah. And if you listen to our podcast from uh, the postgame podcast, it's all Sunshine and Roses, guys. We cover the spread. And um, <laughs> yeah, <everything's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue facts. So it's interesting how unprepared I feel about talking about Georgia I Auburn. Agree. First off, it's the second game of the season. Second <laughs> off, it's still October. Third off, ooh, at this point of the season, we would have been talking about football, like for real football, for two months. Who would it have been? Uh, this weekend, been the a- weekend after Alabama. No, two weeks after Alabama. Two weeks. Maybe Tennessee. Like Missouri. Oh. Missouri. No, Tennessee yeah. was going to be in November. Oh, okay. I don't know. We would have already yeah. played Auburn. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's fine. But we have Auburn Saturday night. Yeah. Game day is going to be in Athens. And none of those things matter because we we won't be there. I mean, probably at the game. But, um. You know that. Uh, yeah, I say probably be at the game. Scott, Scott, and I are planning on going to the game, um, but um, you know we're not going to be piled up outside uh, outside game day. It did. By the way, did y'all watch game day from Miami last week? No, I, I've got know, no interest. Is, I have to say, I, I kind of agree with you, Scott. For whatever reason, and maybe this is just be working back up to the right. season a little bit, but it doesn't. That part of the season, which ordinarily is the built like it's ten o'clock, time for game day. You know mm-hmm. what's coming. I'll, often I'll like come back from my run, uh, my Saturday morning run, and kind of get in, and get into game day, getting going. It doesn't feel like something I'm into yet. Even the solid verbal, which is another part of my tradition with this, I've been listening. To, I listened to part of the post game. Still, I mean, having the SEC back makes it feel a little bit more real. But it's also, again, almost October 1st, and there's been one game. And it's just, it really, and maybe by Thanksgiving or maybe by early November, uh, we'll, uh, it'll feel more normal. But I have to say, it's still, I'm still kind of getting my sea legs a little bit. I did enjoy having a noon or a couple of noon SEC games 
the three thirty CBS. I got really fired up when the music came on. Rolling to Georgia, and then that lovely Tennessee South Carolina game to cap it off. I mean, I really missed Pac twelve after dark. I was ready for something like that, and instead I got like BYU and somebody and Troy or something. It was it was awful. Yeah, it's funny how um, you fall into these habits or patterns. I mean. You know, traditionally, my home, I mean, my away game, if I'm not traveling, is a Saturday slam full of doing all the things I hadn't done for four weeks. So this week I was called up and I was able to like, <laughs> literally, I got up Saturday morning and I ran to town and picked up some stuff and took a car to get the oil changed. And then I, um, you know, I came back to the house and cooked a little bit and watched some football games. And, you know, I, I, it was it was pleasant. I see the upside. I see why people enjoy this as opposed to, to <laughs> traveling to away games. Um, not to say I didn't miss going to Arkansas because those eat place. Also, we sh- I should have known that there was going to be some crazy uh, – there's going to be some some craziness uh, going on just because every time I go to Arkansas, some craziness goes on, at least, at least when I travel out there. Um, but, you know, he- here we are. We do have Auburn. Scott has about 25 minutes of questions on the – Old the Deep South's oldest rivalry, um, and I feel like I feel like we should pause for a second, Will, because um, this is this is established canon for the podcast. Scott hates Auburn. I do, and it, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it was season one uh, back in 2015. Will had a great topic. Uh, I, maybe it was an off week or something. We have a whole uh show on on our most objectionable team and we went from I guess 14 to 1 most objectionable SEC team and it was a really fun we should probably revisit that and do it again but uh it's still Florida. You know, talking about how talk, yeah <laughs> talking about how pleasant Ole Miss is and you know they're kind of the is in the teens and the high you know numbers but then as you get down it gets real serious and yes Auburn was my most objectionable and they remain there a lot of it's like geography right like you like like where you like like my 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 wife is from Columbus so like mm-hmm. your wife Scott and they hate Auburn like they truly profoundly hate Auburn uh, to me Florida still feels like the more logical uh, team to hate they seem the one closer Auburn they I wouldn't say, I mean I'm not gonna blaspheme and say Florida is closer to Georgia or it can be in the same sentence as Georgia but I would say that you know historical success wise fan base obsession wise uh, um, you know obviously the rivalry game there's a great line there's a great book that came out uh, about 10 years ago uh, by a man uh, named Will Blythe uh, who's a huge huge North Carolina fan and it's and the book is called to hate like this is to be happy forever <laughs> and basically it's all about hating Duke it's all about hating Duke basketball right. he's a literary uh, writer so he has this long section discussing what rivalries mean and what what generally makes you choose a rivalry. And generally speaking, the rivals are almost always the team that is most similar to you. Uh, and not like similar in like personality, but like the one that's like, there's no, Illinois doesn't consider Northwestern a rival because screw Northwestern, but Michigan does not consider Illinois a rival because Illinois is not the level of Michigan. To me, that's why Auburn still, Auburn just feels like it's playing a different game entirely. They are almost like not worthy of being a rival uh, would probably best way, best way. But I'll put it this way: if Auburn is your primary rival, I feel like you're already kind of losing. 
uh, if yeah. that makes sense a little bit. And uh, uh, whereas Florida, as as loathsome as Florida is, I, they feel like more of a natural, like, yes, this is the team that you really want to be. I feel like if you lose to Florida, it's obviously bad. But, like, Florida is good, and Florida is going to be a big thing. If you lose to Auburn, something has generally gone wrong. That's why it's my kind of argument. Yeah, probably, probably the thing that's gone wrong is you hooked up with the wrong person at Destin. So, um yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Obviously, obviously, uh, Florida's my most objectionable rival, at purely for geography reasons, because I'm from Southeast Georgia. Um, or some out from Pierce County, my man Stetson Bennett. Um, so the um, you know, but but getting you know, getting a little bit in the weeds here with Georgia, Auburn. I'm not sure we should play the game. I think the uh, the pundits have decided we're no no way we're going to win this game. That uh, Auburn's going to come in here and roll us. So let's just do fun office pools and be done. Sound good? Cool. I'll, that right. checks out. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get a word in of our sponsor first, but then oh, yes, yeah. let's end it. <laughs> Memphis should. SMU. Memphis SMU is huge. Yeah, we it's should. Uh, we should talk. Yeah, I do want to talk El Barrio for a minute. The nicest green space in Five Points and uh, outdoor seating area, Scott. It's very COVID friendly. Uh, what you do is you you put your mask on and you go and order. Uh, right when you walk in, it's just counter ordering. They get your drinks to you. You go find a nice seat outside. They've expanded their um, outdoor seating, and you can putt while you're waiting there. And um, and yeah, but you know they might have changed their menu, but they still have all of the the good stuff like the nachos and the adobo chicken taco, which is one of my favorites. Uh, I've had a, I usually get a couple of those, but um, yeah, great for kids. The chips, the dips, the salad bowls. Uh, the gorditas, even even those are mainly just fun to say more than I eat them. But uh, the pork belly gordita is also good. Uh, this is my home strike zone. This is obviously right. this place is very close to where I live. Uh, so if you go, please try to keep the noise down. Some of us are trying to study. Uh, however, uh, if you do go, uh, I highly recommend it. They, you know, they went through a little bit of a, a shift, I think, during the uh, during the pandemic a little bit. Uh, but I really don't kind of think they uh, missed a beat. There, are, there have been times uh, in, in my career as a journalist where I've had to uh, say, OK, all right, well, I'll, uh, I'll grumble that this place is sponsoring the thing that I'm working for, uh, but I won't like it. Uh, this is not one of those things. I'm a big El Barrio fan. I'm actually, I'm, they actually have a chimichanga that is unusually good. I am Midwestern. We like all of our food covered in cheese. We love, <laughs> so that's not generally what they do there, but if you want that as an option, the chimichanga is a really awesome thing that is covered in cheese. So if you like things covered in cheese, I'm very pro chimichanga. But do please try, try to keep the noise down. You can order online. I know that during March and April, we were doing pickup orders. It's very fast. They've got it down to a science. So, they've, And they've got some great murals. I mean, when you're married to an Instagram influencer like I am with my wife, she's like, ooh, there's a mural. Take a picture of me in front of the mural. Not you. You, cameraman, <laughs> take my picture. So uh, it's very photo-friendly. And if you Husbands look on their, of Instagram. Husbands <laughs> of Instagram. <laughs> That's right. And if you look on their website... On their main page, if you go to elbarioathens.com, you will see my wife and Will's wife, wife. laughing together pre-COVID. Uh, I guess they were kind of cheersing a drink. But yes, it's Jennifer and Alexa on the main page of their website. No more taking photos of my wife, Duval. <laughs> so George Auburn. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Uh, should we should we start with an overarching question about Georgia before we dig into the details? I'd love that. I, would, yeah. I was just about to say we got some stuff to talk about about Georgia, right? 
Yeah. So uh, to, and we can start off. Obviously, quarterback is where everybody's minds go in a lot of ways. And I think we saw that at the press conference today, uh, Kirby Smart said that he expects Daniels to be cleared for the game. That doesn't, frankly, make me feel like it's the most scientific thing in the world <laughs> when you expect someone well, uh, to be cleared. Well, d- but I, I'm not a doctor. Don't doubt Faith Halen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, put the healing hands of Jesus on the on the knee, and it's going to be fine. Um, so I don't know. I, I I don't know how that works, but whatever. If he's cleared, that certainly increases your options uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, I also think there's an argument that um, if the offensive line doesn't play better, <laughs> uh, it may not matter who the quarterback is. And in fact, you might not want to put Daniels in a situation uh, like that either. He's going to have trouble. Uh, they're not going to get the push off the line, or worst case, perhaps most likely case, he's going to have a chase. Have to chase a ball that was just snapped past him. So you know, there's too soon, a lot. Too soon. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and there's a lot of issues, right? And for me, you know, I think before you talk about whether it's Bennett, whether it's Mathis, whether it's Daniels, you know, that is. Uh, I, I I've heard a lot of theories that the idea that if you start Bennett in that game, you might have had to put Mathis in to deal with the fact that Bennett had gotten drilled uh, very early on and had lost his confidence. I don't necessarily buy that. I think Bennett, if anything, is steady uh, uh, one way or the other. But um, it, it is fascinating to me, and we talked about this in the preview podcast, it is fascinating to me to see what direction they go with this. Because, you know, if you are looking, you guys tell me, but I, it feels to me if the goal is to win this game, and that is the main 100% goal. Uh, I think Stetson Bennett, to me, seems the most likely guy to do it. Uh, the problem is, is Stetson Bennett is eventually going to go against Alabama, and is eventually going to go against Florida, and you may want your higher ceiling guy for that. It really comes to how you prioritize the games. Do you? There, there's really this is what a three game schedule. I mean, obviously there's other games on there, but but Alabama, Auburn, and uh, and Florida are basically your three games with maybe a Tennessee here or there. Um, can you beat Alabama with Stetson Bennett? Can you beat Alabama? Are you more likely to beat them with Daniels getting hit in this game? Like the fact that I feel like this would be so much easier if these games were coming later in the year. Then you could let Mathis get hit a little bit. You could try Daniels a little bit. But you screw around with that too much, and you're going to lose to Auburn, and you're going to feel kind of silly about uh, um, uh, about trying to let him take some hits before he gets out there against Alabama. It is a fascinating question, particularly if Daniels is clear is cleared, because I'm not sure what the right answer is here. And uh, behind the line, that the way they played against Arkansas, particularly in the first half, there might not actually be a right answer. Well, I mean, I think the good news is at least in the second half of the game. Uh, the line got figured out. They moved Erickson over to center. They put Hill at guard. Um, Condon played better in the second half. He did not play well in the first half. Um, in Cleveland, he, he whiffed some, uh, despite uh, spectacular facial hair and a thinner profile. Um, so, the I, you know, I think, Will, your question is a good one, and it's totally predicated on line play. I, I fully expect to see Stetson Bennett to start. Um, I think he is the one the coaches feel most confident in. If someone has to run for their lives um, and being able to do so and matriculate the offense down the field, um, I, I feel comfortable that if Daniel's clear to play, he will play some. And I don't know if it's going to be a DJ Shockley situation where you see him a couple of drives or they're going to truly alternate. I mean, look at it this way. 
Stetson Bennett's a guy you can alternate with because he came in cold and it's like if you if you listen to his press conference after after I mean some of his questions were really predicated. I was like, well, you always you're always ready to go in. It's like, you know, I've I've been here. I think he's made some comment like I've been on the sideline for 48 games. It's like <laughs> I I never not. I mean, I, I, they don't give me a helmet to to sit on. And um, you know, I I think you could. Look, Bennett really is in a situation where he wants to win for Georgia. And I think everybody is a gamer, and every and certainly at this level, they want to compete, and they want to be the guy. But you're talking about a senior who went to junior college for a chance to play, like literally just to get a chance to get snaps. And if he starts and then another guy comes in and legitimate beats him out, it's going to suck for him. He's going to be sad about that but I don't think he's going to be a distraction to the team. And on top of that, to get back to my original point, I just don't think there's somebody else on the, in the quarterback room that they feel can matriculate Georgia down the, uh, the field um, if the running game doesn't work and if the line play doesn't work. Because we have a few drives of, uh, at least in, in, under the belt, a few drives of data to show that he can do that. Tony, I'll ask you, did Stetson have his Corey Phillips game against Arkansas? You know, Corey started the game versus Kentucky, threw for 5,000 yards in that game. I think it was more like 450-something in place of Quincy Carter. Uh, But he was one of those backups. I think he was a walk-on from Hart County. And uh, it seems very similar to me uh, of what Stetson's doing because – as a fan base, our confidence in Corey Phillips grew immensely after that Kentucky game. You want to draw comparisons. Uh, I, I completely agree with your with your assessment. Stetson is – you don't want to say he's happy to be there because he's gritty, he's tough, he's a gamer. But you're right. If he gets beat out by a dude that's got a howitzer for an arm and can lead Georgia down the field because he was a five-star recruit, meaning JT Daniels, then – He's just going to stay ready without sitting on his helmet on the sideline. The Corey Phillips is probably better than when I saw with Joe Cox with the Colorado game, the mm-hmm. Joe Cox miracle. Um, but that was – one, I think that was different. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Cox didn't play nearly as well as Stetson Bennett did. Frankly, Joe Cox didn't have nearly as good a team uh, behind him or in front of him right. as Stetson Bennett does. You bring up a good point, and that is um, – Kirby and the coaching staff made some great in-game adjustments and probably even better halftime adjustments. Um, this is an important week, right? Getting them ready uh, and making sure they are in a position where they have a game plan and they also know what they're going to do if they get smacked in the mouth. Because everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And if um, if we get in a situation where um, – I, I, my personal opinion is Kirby's perfectly fine winning this game the same way we won it last year, which is bruising defense, just enough offense, and keep them out of the end zone at the end of the game. Last year's game, what they won by seven points, but it didn't feel that way. It was, it was we talk about this 14. a lot. Will brings it up a lot, where you have yeah. a game where you're only winning by a single score, but Florida was like that last year as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a quintessential seven game, a seven point ass whipping, right? Yeah. Where it's just like you feel like you, you walk out and look at the scoreboard. I was like, I was closer than I remembered. You know, and who's the quarterback that's most likely to get you to that point, right? And like the way you win a game like that is not make mistakes, right? <laughs> like that that's how you win that game. Like you ever like listen, Jake Fromm was frustrating, I think, for a lot of people last year, but other than I think South Carolina, uh, uh, there was really. They won games because he didn't make huge mistakes. 
Now, that's also how they won games his freshman year <laughs> for until the end. Um, and you would have expected him to have been better uh, than that at that point. Um, but we don't need to re-legislate that as much as to say that if, you, if that's how you decide you need to be at Auburn right now, which, again, you know, is antithetical to the whole idea of bringing in Munkin in the first place, right? The whole thing that the idea that you're supposed to be lobbing this up. If that's the way you're going to do it, it feels to me that, uh, listen, maybe you start Daniels or maybe you start Mathis. But, I mean, we just saw what happened the second that Bennett got into the game. Everything settled down. They looked like last year's offense. They didn't look great. They just looked like the minute he went back to pass, you're like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, he didn't look great. He didn't look like an NFL quarterback. But, you, you, like, instantly, we all saw it. And listen, You're right. Bennett, Bennett did not win that game. The defense won the game. The special teams won the game. The, but the minute that Bennett got in the game, everyone on that team and everyone on that offense went, Whew. Right. And that is exactly what happened. And so maybe that's Bennett's role is to to have higher ceiling guys, put them in, and if they start to struggle, then you have get, get him and settle everything down. The difference to this week, of course, is that you're playing Auburn rather than Arkansas, and there might not be time. It might be too late by the time the Bennett comes in to settle it down. But to me, that is what is so fascinating about this decision is, I mean, who knows? I mean, this is, I know that Daniels is apparently going to be cleared this week. His injury still was not that long ago. Like, this is a pretty quick turnaround uh, since his actual injury. So from that kind of injury, who knows what he's going to have? He looked good when he played last year. I think he's, he's clearly a talented guy, but you're playing Auburn. <laughs> like, you're playing a top 10 team right now. So uh, the question is, if, uh, if Daniels isn't ready or if Mathis is not uh, comforted uh, and loved after the, uh, the rough of last week, uh, how much of a mess do you have until you bring Bennett in to clean it up? And can he uh, uh, do what he did last week? That it is a fascinating decision. But to me, the one thing I feel like we will see is if it's not Bennett, uh, whoever starts uh, will have a quick hook. We also have to talk about the team that's going to be across the field in, in Auburn. Um, I, 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 did either of you watch watch much of that Auburn-Florida game? I'm Auburn-Kentucky game. I did. I watched yeah, the second half. Yeah, it you know it's interesting to me. Um, Seth Williams terrifies me. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to say everybody's like Bo next to this, Bo next to that. But I mean Seth Williams, he just, I mean, dude, he was he was all over it. He was he like, high pointed high pointed two contested touchdown passes and you yeah. know looked like a boss doing it. And he last over. It's going to be another problem. I mean mm-hmm. that's. I mean, look, the, the key to this game for Georgia is defensively getting Nick's out of the comfort zone. By the way, drink if that's not if, – if you have that on your bingo card because that's been a that's been across-the-line winner for three years of the Bo Nix era. Um, He's a sophomore. It doesn't matter. He's been there. I mean, he, he – His I mean, dad went there. I remember when Tuberville was recruiting him. And um, so remember, remember the first game of last year when it was like when, when he had that game and they almost came back and they, and they got that big win. It was like, oh, this guy is this this guy is a fifth year freshman. Yeah, it was it like was, it felt uh, that in the second game last year. It was versus uh, Oregon and Justin Herbert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, so, I mean, their but their defense was. Um, I, I wouldn't suspect's not the right way to put it, but they gave up a fair number of yards to a one dimensional Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky offense, um, you know, they gave up 300, almost 400 yards, 387 yards. They, you know, they, Kentucky averaged, 
almost five yards of play. And like that, this is Terry Wilson coming back after a serious injury. And we've been saying all along, it's Terry Wilson and who? Um, they, Kentucky, by the way, they should have scored another touchdown. It was SEC refs reared up and took just, I mean, literally just took a touchdown away that was, from them. That was a horrible call. It was, uh, and everybody's like, well, yeah, they, they made it up on the next play. Well, if you score a touchdown there, you're not throwing an interception in the end zone to an open guy. So, but it was a, it was a bad call. But, you know, I what scares me about this game more than anything else is that it doesn't appear that we are built to come back from two and a half scores. We, we could be. I hope I never have to find out. But, mm-hmm. it, um, but you know, it, it feels like at least in the short term until something changes – you know, the offense, I have no doubt because the, the sets look different. We involve the tight ends in a different way. We spread the ball around differently uh, than we did with Coley uh, until Lester sent Cheney. Uh, we're just not there yet as far as what we think the mocking offense is going to look like. And frankly, a lot of that starts with um, being able to pass and, and pass confidently to make sure your running lanes are open. And if we get into a game where, you know, we're down – you know, 24-14 or 24-10 at the start of the fourth quarter. I don't think that's where we're going to be. I'm just saying we're not – I don't think we're a team to be to built that is built for that right now. Um, the good news is, is like it's hard to imagine Georgia's going to get up 24 points in three quarters, the way True. the defense looked True. after the first drive. Um, you know, Bo Nix was the last person – when Bo Nix was the first person last season to score a rushing touchdown in Georgia after the first quarter. Um and, and frankly, I can think the key is very much the key as it was all last season is do not um, keep, defensively don't have lapses that your offense has to make up for because you could, there's only so much you can expect out of the offense and anything expecting anything more than that is going to be problematic. Well, and also if you looked at the rushing stats that Auburn had last last week. They had 65 total rushing yards between their three stud, or I'm using air quotes, uh, running backs. You know, Tank Bigsby and uh, DJ Williams and Shivers combined. Neither one of them had over 30 yards rushing. So what that tells me, you know, Nick's got all their their offense, and it really was kind of pedestrian for Auburn offenses. So I think it's shaping up. I mean, we'd be fools to, to say otherwise. It's shaping up to be a defensive battle. And watch it change, but that's fine. Where Georgia basically controls the complete line of scrimmage on defense, and LeCount continues to ball out, and Lewis Seen continues to ball out, and then they just rotate in those 10 or 11 linebackers that are all four and five stars. So that's where my early lean gives me a ton of confidence, no matter who the starting quarterback is. It's like Will said earlier in one of our podcasts do no harm uh, until we kind of figure this thing out, or until Munkin and Kirby tab JT Daniels or if maybe Stetson's the guy I don't know but I think that the defense is what gives me a calmness to where I'll be texting Tony saying like dude relax on um you know the freakout moment because the defense is just going to keep us in the game you know it might be at the in the fourth quarter might be let the chips fall where they may but it's not going to be that 17 point deficit that would be horrifying to witness I agree. So, you know, the one last thing I want to talk about is um, I, c- kind of the elephant in the room, and maybe this is how we'll wrap up discussing the game before we get some other stuff and do our predictions, is um, 
there is a level of um, there's there's some bulletin board material, not necessarily from Auburn, but from pundits. Um, the there is um, across the board, people are not giving Georgia a chance to win this game, um, and that's fine. I mean, I, that's I, that's perfectly. I honestly don't exactly know where I feel about it right this second, but you know the the thing is is like just because Georgia looked bad for a half. Um, both of those teams that we saw, both of the Georgia teams we saw offensively, um, Kansas is in the same plane. And then, I, I mean, I, for now, I trust Kirby to make sure that doesn't replicate, um, particularly defensively, but to a lesser extent offensively. Uh, because the one thing we've known about the Kirby Smart era offensively is that his gut instinct is to go to the point of, okay, don't screw up, which is frankly why I think Dewan Mathis came out. Um, plus, I think he probably, I think he probably needed to hook the kid because he was shaken in a way that he just was not. He was he was just going to hurt your team in a way that that you can't afford. Um, I think the Chad Morris time at Auburn is going to turn out to be pretty good for them. Um, but as long as they're one dimensional and they rely on Bo Nix scrambling and throwing the football all the time uh, and cannot rush the football. Um, that that gives me confidence that Georgia stays in the game regardless of which way the final score goes. And then mention the special teams. I mean, we only have one game to hang our hats on, but they were pretty spectacular. They've got the, and you know, I mean, I there's just a part of me that wishes this game was later in the year. Like yeah. I know that they, I know they're, yeah. I, I know they're they're front loaded, uh, obviously with Alabama next week, but like, whew, I mean. Yes, Georgia turned it around the second half, and I think the, and the defense is great, is good. Uh, but the lines, the line did get it figured out a little bit. Uh, it still feels like the rush, the running game did not fully establish itself the way that I think you'd like it to if you're going to do that uh, seven point blowout thing that we're talking about. And um, do I think that Georgia is a better team than Auburn? I do. I, I don't think there's there's any question about it. But right now, they have more questions than Auburn does. Um, and I, by the end of the year, I bet they don't because <laughs> this is a really smart coaching staff that makes good decisions. But it's what makes you nervous. Listen, at the beginning of the year when we did our preview podcast, you know, we, we talked about them. You know, I thought they might lose two games. I think, Tony, you were at one. And, Scott, I think you, you thought that they would go 16-0. and 0. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when I was thinking of their losses, this wasn't one of them. And no. I was the one with the, with the one with the most losses on here, so uh, you know it is. We talked about just trying to get through that gauntlet with one loss, uh, and I think if they got they played this gauntlet in the year, they might. But uh, right now, there's still a lot of questions about this team, and they're heading into a stretch that I mean they're facing three top ten teams in the next yeah in the in the next uh, uh, thirty four days uh, and. Um, th- this is. It, I feel like if they get through this, um, I feel very comfortable uh, about even if even if things don't go well in Alabama. This feels tougher than Florida to me right now. Not because Auburn is better than Florida because I don't think they are, but I do think there will be more stuff figured out about this team by Florida. 
Um, but they don't get they they have Auburn right now. So uh, that's the thing that worries about me. Worries me about this. If they can get through this, uh, I feel pretty good. Really, no matter what happens against Alabama. But this this instantly with the wake of what we saw last week. Again, a game that they technically did cover in a lot in a lot of places and certainly felt comfortable at the end. But the way. The the things that felt exposed a little bit, or at least pro, uh, little whack-a-moles that, that have not gotten knocked down just yet, uh, I wish they had one more week to figure them out uh, rather than having uh, this game here. That That's what makes me most nervous about it, uh, is not that they're worse than Auburn, because they're not worse than Auburn, but uh, they have more questions than Auburn right now. Uh, Tony, uh, question for you. Maybe a, an offensive question and a defensive question. What would you say that would get you excited or what what do you think is something that Georgia needs to exploit that maybe we didn't see last week? Uh, It could be a simple answer like target Pickens more or roll the quarterback out or toss sweep, which we saw a bunch of runs up the middle. But maybe give us give the listeners something on offense and defense, maybe a a certain player that you have in mind or a certain type of uh, defensive scheme. Uh, Offensively, I, I. and this is purely based on what I think we're going to see out of the offense, at least coming out. Um, Downfield strikes out 12 personnel. Uh, we saw a lot of plays where Fitzpatrick and Washington were both in. Um, you know, Washington's first pass was a um, – it was just a – it literally was a quick hook, uh, quick hook in route that, uh, you know, but I, I rewatched that play, and, and he is quick, and he runs a pretty route. And, and when you do that, what you do, if, if you have a 6'4 tight end who can motor, um, you really put the safety back there in tough situations, especially if it's a cover safety. Mm-hmm. That allows you to put someone like Pickens one-on-one and, and, and get some 50-50 balls. Um, so uh, offensively, uh, seeing that will make me feel pretty good. Not to mention, he just like one hand checked uh, a six six guy and just like put him on his tuchus, man. And just like it wasn't even, it wasn't even like he hit him hard. He's just like so balanced and so strong. And and so you know that that's what I look for offensively. And then defensively, you know, more of the same. I mean, I don't see how they could really try to correct it, mix, except for the early game lapses on the uh, count or the safeties parts. Yeah, I don't know what Bo Nix's number is. Um, 10 but is it 10 i think he's uh, number 10 yeah so i i hope he gets hit enough that his uh his numbers get jumbled and he's oh one by the end of the game <laughs> i love it i got no argument there all right y'all want to uh y'all want some trivia been yeah. waiting just okay. waiting been waiting since when yeah. last yeah. saturday or last night or whenever whenever um, it was all right, so there is a uh, there is a famous statistic that's been going around since last year. Uh, so Georgia is twelve and three in the past fifteen meetings it's versus unfa- Auburn and what two other teams? So yeah, listen listen to this, listeners, and you probably already know this: twelve and three in the last fifteen meetings versus Auburn and what two other teams? Okay, uh, go first, Tony. I want to say Vanderbilt, but I don't think that's right. I, don't, I just that's saw this. And I don't remember it now. Is it Vandy? Okay, it's Vandy. And what's the other team? Well, my turn. I was going to say Vandy. Uh, let me go. They've lost too many times. I don't think they've played Missouri enough, so we'll keep them out of there. Um, 
Let's go 12-3 against... I feel like they've lost too many times in South Carolina, but I'm going to say South Carolina. It's Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech. Georgia, oh, wow. That is Auburn. a good factoid. And that uh, is a great factoid. Yeah. It's, it's just, like guys, if you're a fan of Georgia football, let that sink in. Georgia's 12-3 and three against Auburn. They have not won in, in Athens since, what, 05? I think you're correct. What year is it? I don't know. We 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 played them like we played them in Auburn like seven years in a row, and I don't remember now. <laughs> but um, I think it was '05, if I recall. Um, oh no, it was the. Um, oh yeah, no, you're right. I was yeah, no, I was confused. I think I think that's right. I, I, you know what? I have it that, pulled up right here. I, I'm, I'm in front of a computer. I'm pretty I sure that was look- the that was like a 31-30 game. That um, oh gosh. <laughs> Was it Bakari Rambo got knocked out in? Maybe I don't remember now. Probably yes. It was uh, it was uh, November twelfth, two thousand five. Georgia lost thirty one to thirty. Yeah. Georgia is playing Auburn on October third of this year. This is the first time playing Auburn in October since what year? You know, traditionally they played Auburn late November, mid November. What year was the last time that Georgia and Auburn had an October matchup? 1994. That's incorrect. 1805. That's I know, it's bit. been like 60 or 70 years. It was like maybe even before World War II. 1936. Wow. Every other year since then has been in November. Wow. Uh, coincidentally, wow. Auburn won that game in 1936, and they played that game in Columbus, Georgia. Of course. I always assume... I assume all pre-war games of all teams are throughout the country were played in Columbus, Georgia. A lot it of them seems were to be the there. answer to every trivia question. Yeah, I think we've done that <laughs> trivia question in the past. Uh, but yeah, they played on October 24th, 1936. So you know what my next question is going to be. Uh, what is the earliest that Georgia and Auburn have ever played calendar year? You did. Hold on. You did this question back when this game was announced, like when the, the they first did this change and it was something stupid like march <laughs> you're close <laughs> <laughs> you're very close tony okay just go and give us the answer I, whatever it is that that was such a great punchline that i'm uh... in 1892 that was their first ever matchup they played on february 20th cuz yeah. why not <laughs> I was fully expecting the answer here to be like there. There was a month called <laughs> there was a month called Jam Shot. And back in 1846, there was a 13th month. And it was called Jam Shot, and they played on Jam Shot 47th, 1876. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, because um, of you know the solar the solar clock and and creep and yeah. all that, yeah. we'll we'll count that as something stupid like March. Yes. All right, and then um, this is this should be an easy question. What is the all-time matchup, the series record, the South's oldest rivalry? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's like it's like sixteen and fifty-five or something. I think the last couple of years they've gotten up a couple, right? I think. Oh yeah, down yeah. A little bit. Georgia's won three in a row. They've won. Yeah. They've won six of seven. I feel like it has been tied at some point since I moved here, and Georgia has pulled ahead. So I'm going to say Georgia's up by two. Georgia has won 60. Auburn's won 56. Tony, you were oh. close, and there's been eight ties. What, Tony, what's the most famous tie? Do you remember? 
Pat dies in tie. <laughs> um, the last tie in the series. Do you remember that game? Yeah, but I don't remember when it was. I mean, it was before the. That was was that the game where Doc could have. I don't remember now what it was. Is that that's not the tie dye game? That was the that was Alabama. Tiny Bowden. <laughs> Think about that. Guy. Uh, that would have been. Oh gosh, I was in the wilderness then. Let's see. Was that the year they won the like the after the year they won the national championship or something? But they didn't really because they were on probation. Yeah, because they had paid more people than Lane Kiffin will. Yeah, and Auburn Auburn was riding some crazy win streak, undefeated win streak, and in uh, 1994 at Auburn, Georgia tied them 23 to 23, and Terry Bowden uh, suffered his first non-victory. All right, yeah. So, uh, do you want to do fun office pulls? Yes. All right. Okay. And, I can, uh, I'm actually going to do these live. I have my computer. I'm going to do these live. Uh, I'm actually going to click them now. Are you supposed to put them in some sort of order? Or? No, that's that's only for us. Will Scott doesn't oh, do that. Okay. Uh, okay. I did last week and it didn't help. But um, uh, Tony, you are uh, in fifth place. With I am thir- in fifth place. Thirteen and five record, only five points off of the lead. Will, you're in fifty second place, eleven and seven record. And then I'm I'm a respectable sixty third, tied for sixty third. I'll add that to it. I'm twelve and six. Yeah, and I've been keeping it at ten games only for now. Um, I will expand it a couple of more games when the Big Ten and the Pac twelve start playing. It's just I uh, I'm trying to stay away. There are enough blowout games as it is in the SEC to not add in some crap games just to add points. And so I wanted to shout out a couple of uh, names that. Sound familiar? Uh, it seems like George Monkey is always up there, and and, and George Monkey's in second place. Um, also, big shout out to Maggie Waller, <laughs> tied for sixteenth. Yeah, we have a good. we have a family. We have a family. Each of us have, have put five dollars in. I feel a little bad taking uh, a month of allowance for my kids, but you know, it's times and, are tough. And then uh, Shan, all the way out in the Pacific Northwest, he's uh, tied for 34th. So that's that's pretty good, the fact that he can figure out what time to put this in. I'm trying to make a time zone joke. It's not working. <laughs> well, see, he's in Indiana, and that's – I don't know. Parrish Walton's in uh, fifth, uh, 52nd, so he's right in between Will and myself. And, uh, and, and our old friend Bernie Dog, kind of bringing up the rear around 75th place. And uh, poor one out for UGA Carey, who's uh, – a paltry ten and eight and eighty seventh place, but she's got us, she's got us right where she wants us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, let's make the picks for this week. Uh, we're going to start with the non SEC games uh, of the week. So we'll go to uh, Fort Worth, Texas, where Southern Methodist SMU is going to host Memphis. That's a yes. Yeah. When I put that game on there, I thought that's nah, it's, it's a point and a half. It's a whatever. You know. Southern Methodist has looked pretty good, um, you know. Although they who, who they played, my internet's decided to stop working. I'm, I'm assume Abilene Christian, Houston Baptist. They, they played else. some guy named Stephen Austin. Well, no wonder they beat him badly. Um, I'm I'm going to say Memphis, uh, but it's uh, that one, that point's going to that one's going to be low on my confidence poll. I'm going to pick Memphis because Craig James killed uh, all those hookers when he was <laughs> at this. least six hookers. I'm going to pick SMU because their uniforms are awesome. All right. Then we got uh, the Surface Academies, not the, not the Army and Navy sort of Surface Academies, but 
Navy and Air Force. They're going to play out in um, Colorado Springs, beautiful part of the country. And uh, Air Force is a seven and a half point dog. Air Force hadn't played a game yet, so uh, they're uh, they're facing against Navy. This is one of two one of two games that Air Force is playing this year. They're playing two games. Navy. They're playing two games. They're playing Army and Navy, Navy and Army. Yeah. Um, although I guess that could change now that the, as the WAC said we're going to play four games and then we're going to do a round robin tournament one week in December or something. So um, there's, 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 there should be like be able to fit in a game against the Coast Guard or something. It really just feels like the least. Like give them a win just in case. I'm going to go against. I'm going to I'm going to upset my my Air Force veteran father and uh, pick Navy here. Yeah, I'm going to take the team that's played two games. Um, I'm going to pick Air Force because they're going to be wearing some killer uniforms uh, versus Navy. Uh, they're wearing red tails uniforms. Oh. To honor oh, the red tails, awesome. so that actually, uh, it's kind of awesome. Look, 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 look those up online, and a smile will uh, emit from your face after you see the how good those look. That's great. All right, um, the next game on the docket is uh, my mom's alma mater, Texas Christian University. They go down to Austin to face Texas, who I think is still scoring points or so, or letting Texas Tech score points against them after they won that. Uh, 60-something to 50-something overtime thriller, but Texas is favored by almost two touchdowns. It was a rough week for the Horned Frogs last week. Yeah. But did I remember right that Texas was up like 21 points on them and let them come back to tie the game? Do I remember that right? No, I thought they they, they were up then and they then were back. down by like 14 and then came back crazy late. Yeah. Oh. So I'm taking Texas. Yeah, I gotta take Texas after. I mean, TCU is just—they looked all out of sorts against Iowa State, an Iowa State team that is currently fifth in the Sun Belt. Um, yeah, I gotta take Texas. They're back, baby. Yeah, Texas uh, put up fifty-nine on UTEP and sixty-three on Texas Tech, so uh, I fully expect them to maybe give up forty-eight points, but they'll outscore <laughs> TCU. Uh, now we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven SEC games because they're all playing. Um, so we'll start out with the most disappointed team in the country. No, we do us last. Oh, <laughs> oh I see what you did. Uh, no, LSU goes to Nashville to see if they can actually be motivated to play this game. Well, we're going to find out if, how bad Texas A&M is or how good Vanderbilt is. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't spend enough time talking about Texas and Vanderbilt. Um, I, I, I'd take LSU. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get too cute with this. Uh, there's still a lot of talent there. I, they, I feel like that was a worst-case scenario team for – whereas Arkansas was the best-case scenario team for Georgia to play, I really do feel like Mississippi State was the worst-case scenario for LSU to get in that for, other than like you know Alabama or somebody. <laughs> yeah. And um, I know some of you all are fans of the guys over at SEC Shorts. It's worth your watch uh, as they basically play the role of an LSU fan not wanting to admit that they lost to Mississippi State to all of the other people around <laughs> their barbecue as they're uh, grilling out. It's, it's worth uh, your three minutes. All right, so now uh, Lexington. Uh, Kentucky is favored by six and a half versus the Lane Train. Hmm. Give me the cats. Give me the cats, Give me the cats too. C A T S cats, cats, cats. Yeah, yeah I hovered uh, over Mississippi and then I quickly picked Kentucky on that one. 
It's tempting. I get it. I I, I get it. I, I do think Mississippi's going to be better, but like, yeah, this, this uh, I'm paying Kentucky. All right. And then uh, Mississippi State riding that historic win for their program. I mean, who knows what Mike, Mike Leach is doing? Maybe Tony can tell us uh, with a live look in on what Mike Leach is doing right now, but they host Sam Pittman in Arkansas. They released a video of their band pulling him around in a wagon, saying, "Get on the, get on the old Miss wagon train." I mean, Mississippi State wagon train. Um, this, I, I, I can't, I can't pick Arkansas here, but this feels like a game where Mississippi State's going to go in there thinking they're going to hang a hundred on Arkansas and need a fluke play at the end of the game to win. And we're going to talk about how snake bit Sam Pittman is. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely like. The Mike Leach thing to do is to lose this game. That, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, Almost any other team but Arkansas, I would probably pick that. That's exactly right. I think if they if the Egg Bowl were right now, I feel like I might take Mississippi. Um, like that, That's the kind of team I'm looking at. If it weren't Arkansas – and listen, I think that there is reason – if I'm an Arkansas fan, I was frustrated as Georgia fans were last week, I think you probably saw some stuff that made you feel like, okay, things are settling down a little bit. And there's a foundation being built. I don't. I don't think Arkansas fans went away from that game upset at their team uh, c- compared to expectations. But I, they're not there yet for Mississippi State. But I'm trying to think of teams that Mississippi State could be playing this game that would make me nervous uh, uh, in that spot. Maybe Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, yeah, Kentucky. South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. see, I think I Ole wonder Miss, if Tennessee yeah, definitely Miss, almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like those sort of teams. But Arkansas is probably the right team for them to get. Yeah, I think this is a win don't cover for Mississippi State uh, at home. It should be a well, it's on at the same time that George is playing, so we'll be getting updates during the game. All right, uh Missouri uh you know, they had the poor uh I guess scheduling that they had to start with Alabama, so they're 0 and 1. Tennessee pulled one out. They eked one out. Uh pretty good win for them uh versus South Carolina. They host Missouri and Tennessee's a 10 and a half point favorite. I just don't think fall. I don't think I don't think Missouri has the the offense to to keep up with Tennessee. Yeah, I, I have to. Say, I don't really think they particularly embarrassed themselves against Alabama. The game no. was not close, but yeah. like certainly, certainly they they uh, you know uh, Sam drinks water in the woods, whatever his name is. Um, he uh, <laughs> he that makes you feel better. Uh, that uh, if I if I'm you think about your first game being home against Alabama and how bad that could go, and it didn't. Like it didn't, they didn't. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not it's not an embarrassment, but I will take Tennessee though. Well, no, I'm sniffing around this one a little bit. I'll say. All right. Uh, the Aggies who were tied also, or not tied. They were winning. Seven to five, just like Georgia. We had two seven and five halftime scores in the SEC last week. Uh, they go to Alabama <laughs> after the egg that they laid, even in a victory uh, versus Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. There's only one team to pick here. Here's a question for you guys: When's the next time Texas A&M is going to be ranked this high? They're 13 right now. I it feels like something's getting wobbly here would probably be the best way to put it. It feels, uh, I mean, listen, you know, the the amount of money they're playing Jimbo, uh, this team is good. I don't think that, but it doesn't feel like a top 15 team to me. 
And it doesn't feel like they're trending in the direction of a top 15 team. So I think this could get real ugly for them. And I don't know. I mean, again, considering the money they're paying, um, uh, obviously the analogy is not the same. But there is something about playing Alabama that is clarifying and I wonder if you are Texas A&M and you feel that uh, you're paying all this money for Jimbo and you're in year, what, four now? What year is it for Jimbo? Like, you'd like to be getting a little closer, and I feel like this is going to be a wipeout. And uh, then you start you start wondering a little bit. Uh, the next time Texas A&M will be ranked this high will be August of 2021. Because next week they, go to, they have Florida at home and then they go to Mississippi State. Speaking of Florida. Yeah. Yeah, South Carolina pays them a visit. This used to be like the Spurrier game back when uh, the old ball coach was uh, down in Columbia. Yeah, lot, both teams a lot more fun when Spurrier was the coach, for better right. or for worse. Um, I, I, did you guys read that Spencer Hall on uh, Must Champs punt? Nope. In a very fun piece about uh, about uh, someone that obviously he's a Florida guy, so he knows uh, must have been a very funny piece uh, for uh, for the Moon uh, Moon Moon Crew. The Moon, moon crew. crew. They have a Moon yeah. Crew. Yeah, uh, they have a they have a really good thing. Uh, he's actually going to be on my book podcast this week, and um, so uh, he had a really good thing about what it's like watching Muschamp make decisions like that. Uh, the idea that like he punted. Late in the game, down seven. He kicked the field goal late in the game, down seven, uh, when, you, when you were getting closer. And it felt he's a fundamentally conservative coach in a way that I feel like it's going to end up costing his job. Um, and uh, Florida's going one direction, South Carolina's going the other. Uh, I think Florida may win and may win big in a way that will not serve uh, uh, HMS Champ well. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, and then uh, 7.30. It's on ESPN. Okay. So, yeah. And I heard uh, Fowler and Herbstreet are doing the game, which I think is pretty cool. I'd like to know from somebody, when was the last time Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet broadcast a game in Sanford Stadium? I can't think of one. I'm sure they haven't, right? Like, I'm sure they haven't. Because usually Herbstreet's flying out to some Pac-12 game or Big Ten game. But the fact they're doing the call, I think – and they were great on Monday Night Football. um, And I've always enjoyed them two together. Yeah, they're really good together. Yeah. Herb Street is Herb Street's a guy that I used to be not sure about, and I feel like he's gotten a lot better, really a lot better, a lot more thoughtful, just like a really smarter guy uh, uh, the last few years. I think that that has, and I think less uh, proud of being Kirk Herb Street. I would probably put the, uh, probably be the best way to put it in a way that I think has helped his coverage. Um, I guess there's a game, though, is probably what people are more concerned about. Um, I'm worried, guys. I'll be honest. I'm worried. Um, this feels like a game you – any – there are no style points in this game. There, there was so much trouble. Like, I know they turned it around, and I know this defense is good. Uh, but, again, like, you know, there's – so many questions uh, about this offense. Now, there are potential positive answers to those questions. Like, there are some teams that have questions about their offense, and, you know, the answer is going to be, well, they're not good. <laughs> and so there's, it's not going to work out. There are questions about Georgia's offense that do potentially have positive answers, but they better figure them out fast because they won't be able to pull that off uh, if, if they get off to the start last week. Uh, I have to say I'm going to bet – I'm curious everyone's predictions on – when they make the predictions of who they think actually the starter is going to be in this game. We're taping this on Monday, so we uh, maybe we'll get more clarity as the week da- goes down. I'm going to bet Daniel starts. 
Daniels would be my bet as to the guy who starts. Will he finish? Uh, uh, that is the question. Um, I feel like this is one... I'm nervous. Uh, I think the defense and the special teams pulls out a big play at some point, and they hang on. But I think it's like 21-17. Like that's, that's kind of how it, it feels tight, really, and not a high-scoring game. Um, that, that's where I'm going with this. 21-17 Georgia, but uh, uh, I feel like this one could go a lot of different directions. Yeah, well, I agree with you um, uh, along the, the lines of how this game's going to end up uh, points-wise. Uh, the thing that I think the thing that Georgia needs to do is they really need to lock down Seth Williams. And he's going to be a hard guy to lock down. Uh, Tony and I, we were talking about him earlier. And then don't forget on the other side of the ball, a guy that's going to be probably given George Pickens fits all night is uh, – Jalen Simpson, who won SEC Defensive Player of the Week for Auburn, uh, a cornerback for Auburn. So, you know, those are two dudes on both sides of the ball that can really change the game uh, in a positive way for Auburn. But I'm going to go back into the history books a little bit, and I'm going to look back at the past five Georgia victories versus Auburn. Not once did Georgia score more than 28 points, and that was in the SEC championship game in 2017 when Georgia won 28-7. to I'm with Will. I don't think that it's going to be high scoring, uh, but I do think that Georgia will score more than Auburn. I'm going to predict Georgia 24, Auburn 10. Wow. Well... You know, it's interesting that y'all have fallen this way. And I swear, I swear we don't talk about this before we do this because I feel exactly the same way. Um, I, I um, regardless who starts a quarterback, I think it's Bennett. If Daniel starts, um, that's that's you're right. He may not finish. We could see Mathis again. Um, I, I think the key, uh, Scott, is is right is shutting down those receivers. And making Nick's uncomfortable, um, cannot give him time to make his progressions. They're they're just too good to keep them in the coverage that long. On, um, I mean, best case scenario is Nick's leading them in rushing again because that means well, there are ways that's not great, but there that also means he we either have him on the run or he he is just trying to make something out of nothing. Um, I because it's twenty twenty and uh, you know all kinds of weird stuff has happened. I don't be surprised if this game goes to overtime. That's how closely matched these teams are. Um, you know, when you look at S- SP plus, um, Conley, uh, Conley's numbers and SP plus we're one on defense, uh, by a bunch. They're second on defense, um, by, um, like, uh, almost seven points, uh, more on offense SP plus their 14th were 50th, but the gap is less than, the gap there is from from defense, which tells me it's going to be a super close ball game. Um, the other part about that on special teams, Georgia gets a little bump. Uh, field position game can matter. I, I think Auburn's. I think we're going to hold Auburn to several field goal attempts, which means it's going to be something a, a crazy, you know, like sixteen or nineteen. Um, so, give me twenty four to nineteen, and we're probably. Mm-hmm. We're probably sitting uh, on pins and needles the last two and a half minutes of the game, pr- 
praying we come up with some sort of sack of Bo Nix in the end uh, at the end of the game again uh, because that's the way it goes. Trayvon Walker, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but to, you know, but hey, I um, you know it lo- losing this game by that score wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, but it's just that's just the way I feel about it. One thing I can guarantee. It will not be an overtime twenty-four to nineteen game. That is that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> Georgia scored five points early last week, so yeah, just that's two scores in overtime. Yeah, I feel like overtime. That's uh, that's not good. Also, I'd like to repeat that I am not a crackpot, but safeties should be worth more than two points. I'm a long proponent of this. Safety they should, should be, be worth, worth fourteen points. points. If there's this most exciting play, yeah. it's just crazy. <laughs> Not to mention, it'll also think, make somebody make the, the calculus instead of kicking the ball at the back of the end zone. It's like, oh boy, I guess I have decisions to make. <laughs> you know, fun fact: Kirby Smart once scored for Georgia a one-point safety. You are a font of knowledge, Scott. He was a he was a coach on the field. <laughs> um, Super gritty. Uh, all right, gents. Well, I'm sorry that we couldn't be there in person. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, get back uh, back uh, in person uh, next week with the crickets. Exactly. Uh, I do crickets. kind of miss the crickets. Yeah, we've like, had uh, a lot of comments that people enjoy the outdoorsy noise, the ambient quite, noise. Quite bucolic. Yeah, so we'll, hopefully we'll be able to get back and do that uh, uh, next week. And good luck to your Braves, by the way, uh, in uh, the playoffs this week. I will be there Wednesday at noon at Pulse Truist. Park uh, uh, for for game one. I will say, if I were a Braves fan, the Reds would be the team I would want to face the least out of all the teams in the first round. Uh, but uh, uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to work out um, uh, for for one way or the other. And for the record, uh, if I had an MVP pick, my choice would be Freddie Freeman. So I don't know if that lets me in the club um, after. Well, you uh, uh, what was it? When all the hot stove and the free agent signings were happening, I remember asking you on the podcast about Ozuna. I was like, are we going to like him? And you were very complimentary of him. And, I mean, what he finished, uh, he won two out of the three of the Triple Crown. Yeah, he almost won the Triple Crown. (laughs) Which, uh, as much as I was, I did not see that coming. He was a very frustrating player for the Cardinals. Uh, But, yeah, he's healthy. Yeah, When he's healthy, he hits the crap out of the ball. Man, his bat is just wicked. So well, good luck, good luck uh, uh, to to you all, uh, and and uh, enjoy the game. I will not be at the game Saturday, but uh, uh, but have a great time. Uh, be safe out there, and uh, we'll see, man. It'll be good to feel like in that first half against Arkansas, it was not good, but I felt still so kind of grateful that football was happening. That I wasn't really angry or overly stressed. Uh, if I can get nice and stressed out on Saturday night. It will feel like nature is healing. <laughs> so, um, all right, everyone, be safe. Uh, d- take care out there. And hey, uh, as we say, uh, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. If you're at the game this weekend, tag us in your tweets. We'd love to jump in the overall conversation and see your game photos. Our Twitter handle is at WSLS Podcast. And also, Stop by El Barrio in Five Points for some pregame tacos and tequila. The weather should be just about perfect for some time spent on their lawn. We'll be back on Monday to share our postgame thoughts on the dogs and the tigers. And until then, have a great week, stay safe out there, and we'll see you on campus this Saturday. And as always, go dogs.